Welcome on back into the Sling Sports Podcast with your host, Jake Finnerty, and your co-host, Wally McKeon. Wally, how are we doing today? We're doing well. We're doing well. There's a little bit of snow outside in sunny Syracuse, New York. Um, was kind of hoping we were over the whole winter thing, but yeah, not quite. This weekend, we had uh, we had a 60-degree 60, 60 day. Uh, it was up in, up in the mid-60s, sunny. It was a nice day. Finally got out. Broke out the shorts and t-shirt. Mm-hmm. It was a nice, nice time. But... Before we jump into some sports, I want to know what's going on with your week. How, what's what, what's what's something you're looking forward to, or what's happened that you that you loved? Yeah, uh, last week the highlight uh, I was looking forward to was going to the arcade with my roommates. That was awesome. Uh, cranked out five thousand four hundred eighty-eight tickets. I'd like to say, but uh, this week, last night, me and a couple of pals went to Chick Fil A for dinner, and it was very nice to hang out with the guys and have some nice chicken sandwiches and. It was it was a good night. It was a good night. Gotta How about love you? It. Gotta... How about you? What's been going on? What's good? Um. Well, I, the upcoming is is our break. You know, we're we're heading home. Uh, this weekend is actually a big event in Scranton. It's the St. Patrick's Day Parade. Oh. So we do, have a do nice. Do you dress up for that? You wear green. And... We, it's all green. It's probably our biggest event of the year. It's an unofficial holiday in Scranton. Cool. Um. You know, I just I love being with my family on that day. Uh, my friends. Uh. Just being surrounded by all the people I love. That's, that's awesome. a special day in Scranton. So that's awesome, man. It's great. Can't wait for that. Yeah. Something else I can't wait for is for the MLB season to actually start up. Mm-hmm. Because we're drawing, we're it's drawing looking near. like we're drawing some traction to get yeah. nearer to that. We are. Um, something that surprised me that I want to touch on real quick is that 162 games is still on the table as we speak today, Wednesday, March 9th. Yeah. That was interesting because... The deadline was supposed to be hit last Tuesday. Yep. And they already canceled a week of games, and then they met yesterday. They met yesterday for 17 hours. 17, They yes. went into Wednesday morning, and they've all, they've extended the deadline today as well. Today, and t- I think it's tonight at midnight. Yeah. And if they get an agreement done, there will be 162-game season starting on either April 6th or 7th, with two weeks added at the end of the season in September. Yeah. So... That's interesting. That's that's going to be exciting to see 162 games of baseball despite knowing the delayed that start. knowing that it wasn't you know all for nothing even though you know the delayed start, the commotion that's going on right now, the it's going to be shortened spring training, everything like that. Um but with that also came a couple of rule changes that will go into effect in 2023. Um bigger bases is coming to uh Major League Baseball. Um the MLB's mindset behind this was a larger base path made more room for the runner, and fielders wouldn't get in the way, resulting in less injuries. I'm a big fan of that. Yeah, I, I love that, especially those first and second base plays. Yeah. Uh, the Chase Utley slides, mm. as, we, as we've all come mm. to know, um, mm-hmm. that have been banned from baseball now. But even at first base, when you're trying to, you know, reach out for that pitch stretch yeah. and, There's you know, an those guys throw. get the get the ankle, like, Rolled clipped or anything. Yeah. Um, that's good. That's, that's great. Uh, hopefully they're... A little more padded as well. I know some some players have had problems, you know, slipping off bases or just simply hurting an Achilles or an ACL, MCL just by running into the base the wrong way. So I also hopefully think, they could they could change that. Up I also think bit. the larger bases might result in an increase in the stealing of bases. Oh, that's gonna be that's gonna be exciting. Over the years, baseball uh, stealing bases has completely. I don't want to say disappeared, but there are not people stealing as much as they were 10, 15 years ago. So hopefully the return um, with these larger bases, the return of stealing bases. Well, when you had speedsters out there like Luis Robert, Mm -hmm. you got Fernando Tatis Jr. with some wheels. 
Shohei Otani can even run a little bit. You know, it's going to be exciting to see those yeah. guys trying to take a take an extra base or two. Even even base running as well. I yeah. mean, throws from the outfield, it's going to be harder to reach it. the other side of the bag. Mm-hmm. Um, that'll be fun to see. Yeah. Now, I want to save my favorite rule change for last. So I'm going to go into something that isn't fully in effect yet, okay. but is being voted on, and that's the 14-team playoff. Yeah. What are um, your thoughts on this? You know... I don't like the wild card format right now with the one game playoff. That is what makes baseball unique is that it is a series for these 162 games. You never play a team once and you never see them again. So I don't like the current format. However, I'm not a big fan of a 14 team playoff. I was a bigger fan of the 18 team, eight team playoff prior to the um, adjusted one. Um, and again, I think that's what makes, makes baseball unique is it's so difficult to make the playoffs. And it is an honor to get there. Because with the 14-team playoff, there's 30 teams in the league. That's nearly half the league is well, that's the why, playoffs. Well, that's why a lot of people also discredit the NBA. Because, 16 out because, of 30. Yeah, half of, over half of the yeah. league makes it. And that's, like you said, baseball, it's more exclusive. It's more difficult. And it's a lot tougher to make it when you're trying to play all these series. And like you said, the wild card games being one game, doesn't really make much sense when you look at it in the format of the league as a whole because you're playing these series two games to four games to even five games sometimes Mm -hmm. and you know the it's like winner take all you have to win the series to move on and that's that's the way that it should be and i just i don't like including more teams than there should be yeah um i don't mind the a team a 12 team still, I think, would be a little bit too much, to be completely honest. And that was proposed before the 14 team. So, not really sure how where where I stand on that. Um, I guess I'd have to see exactly how they're going to do it. Um, but as of right now, not f- not officially agreed upon, not coming yet. So we'll have to wait well, and see. In the in the COVID year in 2020, did they do a 14 team? I thought it was. was it I thought it was a 12 team, and that's 12? why I didn't. Okay. I didn't dislike it because the first round, or no, maybe it was 14 because someone got a buy. Yeah. The first seed got a buy. No, the first game, the first round was a three series. game series. Yeah. Never mind. Then I do like the 14. I thought it was okay. a 12. I thought it was a 12. So never mind. That COVID year, there was a good format for the playoffs. Okay. It's it was basically the first. Two teams in the division. Yeah. Almost. I don't um I'm not a fan of the fourteen team concept as well because of the three game series even. I don't like the one game series. Three game I think is too little as well for the postseason. I like the whole season comes down to it. That's two bad outings from a pitcher and that's that. That's unfortunate timing. See, but I like I like it because it's the first round. The first round of the playoffs, especially if you're one of the lower seeds within it, you should have to win like a short series. It should be like all or nothing. Not so much one game, but it should be a shorter series and you should use it strategically. Well, well I just think it's weird then if you do the three-game series in the first round, then you have a five-game series and then two sevens. I don't I don't get the repeated buildup. I don't know why you wouldn't just do seven the whole way through. I even think the current... 10-team format with five games in the first round is a little odd. Well, I mean, but it's probably because they don't want it to go into the middle of November. I mean, you don't really want to play baseball at the start of this at the start of the winter. 
well, out, then, especially outdoors. Well, then I don't think they need to if – that, if that's a serious issue for some of these teams, I'm sure some players and owners probably think that, specifically Northeast ones. They don't want to I – mean, obviously, you want to be playing into as late as possible into the season. But if you're playing in Boston or New York in early November, that's 35 degrees at night, if not colder. Um, it's a serious issue that I don't think – I don't think the 14-team playoff – would would help it. I think it would hurt it. I think it would mess up things with baseball and with the winter and the summer. I just think that the league is trying to get more fan engagement as well because, as we've said in the past, the MLB has struggled to keep fans, especially younger ones, engaged. And I feel like looking at a more expanded playoff and allowing more teams to get in, I mean, there's more teams for – kids to root for or their team has a better chance of making it yes it's not so much about you know the exclu- the exclusivity of it um but in the at the end of the day we always talk about these leagues being a business and they're trying to do totally what's best business. what's best yeah. for them fair enough um something else that is supposed to keep fans engaged make the game go faster is another rule that was agreed upon which is the pitch clock which i hate i'm gonna go on record and say that now i hate the pitch clock um i hate anything that has to do with speeding the game up in baseball when they are using an actual timer baseball is so unique because there is no timer because you can go down as many runs as you want and if you come up to the bottom of the ninth you can win it doesn't matter how long it takes you Implementing a pitch clock completely takes away from that. Well, it takes the, away from what makes baseball baseball. The pitcher's whole strategy is to try and get into the hitter's head by pacing. Using, pacing is yeah, a huge using, thing. Using their own timing, they're yeah. supposed to be able to control the pace of the game. Yeah, and that's why, again, I love that. I love that there's no way that you could force them to throw the ball at a certain time or do anything. Yeah, with this. They're going to force them to throw it. And I haven't read fully on what the penalty will be if they don't throw the pitch off in time or anything like that, whether it's a balk or whatever. whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But I just think it's dumb. Like, why are you going to – it's basically – this one is more changing the game entirely than any of the other rules because, I mean, why? Like, why are you going to – force a pitcher to throw the ball at a certain time and change their own pacing, change their own rhythm as well. Like, rhythm is huge for a pitcher. Momentum is huge for a pitcher. Like, they have to stay in their groove to get yeah. what they want. Yeah. And, like, forcing them to throw it at a certain time, I just I don't I don't agree with that. I'm with you on that. I, I don't like that rule change. Yep. Uh, but the last rule. Are you a now, fan of this? I love this rule. Okay, interesting. Because I think it'll bring so much more offense I think the shift honestly ruined baseball, so the, I love the that they're I love that they're banning the shift. Okay. That's the rule. They're yeah. banning the shift. I'm pretty sure it's gonna work like that. I haven't again. I haven't fully read. I'm pretty sure it's gonna work like say you're a shortstop. You can't go. You can go to a certain way towards second base, but you, you can't, can't pass, pass the it. base yeah. and stuff that like that. Um, and I, third base probably not past the pitcher's mound, like on that on the left side of the infield. Yeah. I am going to take the opposite approach to that, and I don't have an issue with the shift. I think the players need to beat the shift. 
I think he comes down to the hitter. And I've seen this comparison a bunch with football. It's as if the NFL banned specific defensive alignments because quarterbacks were struggling so much. That's on you to figure it out. If you're if you're Joey Gallo on the Yankees, who's a pull hitter, and they are shifting to make sure that you can't pull, that's on you. Go the opposite way. Well, in my opinion, I think it's better. I well, don't. I, I don't think it needs to be I get, removed. I get that argument because me as a Phillies fan, I get to watch Bryce Harper get shifted against almost every single game, but. Like, I love watching Bryce Harper, but I can't lie. When he comes up to the plate and to get on base, he bunts it down the third base line because he's trying to beat the shift. That's that's strategic, yeah. He beat the shift, but it's still just not entertaining to watch, in all honesty. Well, in my humble opinion, um, a couple of years ago, not more than a couple, probably like 10 years ago, no, Robinson Cano, when he was on the Yankees, he was getting shifted. And he bunted down the third baseline against Boston, I believe it was. And he bunted into a double. And that happens like once or twice a season. Yeah. And I love that. That is my favorite moment. Well, Harper does the, sa- Harper does the same thing. Because exactly. it'll, it'll go, he'll like slash at it so it'll get hit harder than a regular bunt. But he knows no one's over there to get it. Yeah. So it'll, go down, it the, it'll go down the line and into shallow left past the foul, li- foul uh, mark. And then he'll round and get a double i mean one time i'm pretty sure he bunted and got an inside the park home run because of how many errors were thrown on the on the play i mean yeah that's entertaining to watch i like at it. that point but i'd rather see harper get up there and try to actually get it get a hit wouldn't you get rather wouldn't you rather see bryce harper develop as a player to go the opposite way on his own though he has. Wouldn't that? Wouldn't that? Exactly. I mean, he's already doing it. Why does he? Well, yeah, he's this, one of the best hitters in the league. Why does he? Why does he or any pull, p- t- uh, hitter that tends to pull the ball? Why do they need this aid? What? What is stopping them from going into the batting cage on their own? Figured out. I I bear, I played baseball for one year in elementary school. I'm not that knowledgeable in the game. Well, what what is stopping them? Nothing is. Nothing is stopping them. That's not. You can't really stop someone from doing that. It's more about your position on on the plate and where you're where you're looking for the pitch but that at that point if the pitcher if they know if they know that you're going like if they have a shift on say they have the horseshoe shift on which is the shift to the full right side of the field yeah the pitcher's not going to throw you an outside pitch because they don't want you to take it that way yeah so in that sense you don't really have an opportunity as a batter unless you get all the way in front of the batter's box and swing late because then you're then you're going to end up putting that ball on the opposite side of the field. There's a it, it's all it's hard to explain it because like you have to strategically place yourself knowing where the pitch yeah. is going to be when you're trying to place a ball hitting, but you can't really you can't really place it hitting. You could just try to hit it in a certain direction. And knowing that you're a lefty hitter like Bryce Harper, or Robinson Cano, well then they're going to pitch you inside if they're putting that horseshoe shift on. I just I just think that the banning of the shift is a little premature. I would have given it a, another five years to see how players adapt to it. Because all of these rule changes of pitch clock, now you know the pacing, removing the, um, banning the shift, making bases bigger. This helps every batter. It helps the game offensively so much and hurts teams defensively well, so much. That's because a lot more people want to watch offense than they want to watch defense. Well, that's, and that's, that's, that's part that's, of the issue. That's the honest. That's part of the True. issue. Not, no offense to baseball fans, or actually offense to baseball fans. Why don't you want to watch a pitcher's duel? Pitcher's oh, duels I love are, pitcher's exactly. duels. Exactly. I mean, I'm a huge baseball fan, and that's, fun. that's the genuine. But for the casual baseball fan, 
They don't want to see a 1-0 game. They want to see those five, I know they want to see that 6 to 5 or was it uh who was it in the world? I think the Dodgers and the Astros in 2017. Yeah. Was it like 13 to 12, mm-hmm. 13 to 11? Mm-hmm. I'll admit, that game's awesome. I mean, Probably yeah, better it's, than it's a 1 nothing pitcher's but duel. I don't. I mean, you have to take. You have to think about both sides of the game, and you have to give appreciation to the pitchers because now they're not. Actually, that's another thing I don't think we talked about. I mean, th- this was announced weeks ago, but pitchers won't be hitting anymore. Yeah. So we have to give Universal pitchers. DH. We have to give pitchers the appreciation while they're on the mound because they won't be seen in the batter's box. What appreciation? I, the rule doesn't go into twenty twenty three. We'll loop back to this in twenty twenty four. I was gonna say once we'll the wait. season is we'll underway, wait. see how it all unfolds. But for right now, I'm quite iffy about a number of the changes that are coming to baseball. But moving on. <laughs> All right, some big headlines in the NBA this week. My favorite thing that I'm going to talk about today what do you might be this, mm-hmm. and that's Ben Simmons returning to <laughs> Philadelphia. What are you so excited for? What are, what are you most looking forward to watching the game? What is the number one thing you're watching? Well, watching the game, I could already tell you that it's going to be KD against the Sixers because Ben Simmons won't be there. I don't know if I don't think Kyrie could play in Philly yet. Don't quote me on that, but I don't think he can. So, that team is going to be undermatched. You have the best duo in the NBA right now, Harden and Embiid. That's, not, Sixers, even, I, that's not even a hot take either. I'm yeah, it's sure not. Everyone, it's not. Like everyone everyone, everyone would that. agree with that right now after yeah. seeing how they've played for 6 games. Yeah. They're undefeated with Harden. Yep. Um, Pretty good. And just the amount of hostility that Philly fans bring to every single game. And, like, this is outside of Ben Simmons coming back. The amount of hostility that Philly fans and, like, the passion they bring. Anyway. Anyway. And what Simmons has done to the team, let alone mention that he's actually filing a grievance with the team today. Mm -hmm. It was announced yesterday that he's going to file a grievance with the the 76ers. For what, I don't know. But... It's just, there's going to be so much energy in the Wells Fargo Center tomorrow. It's going to be insane. And I can tell you right now, I'm expecting at least two of the three rows behind the (laughs) Brooklyn bench to get kicked out because of the amount of things that they're saying to Simmons or or stuff like that. But Simmons is just, aside from the mental health stuff, if you have something mentally, I'm not bashing you. Like, I get that. I get that everyone has their mental things. But what he did to that team, he completely backed out on them. Mm-hmm. He made up excuses for not coming back and then went to Brooklyn and is fine again. Yeah, suddenly. It just, it's good to go. It just isn't, I don't know. It just isn't right to me what he did because he stepped into the, he stepped into the facility for two days, did absolutely nothing in practice, got kicked out one day. Yeah. Um, and then never showed back up. Um, the city of Philadelphia will be coming for blood when Ben Simmons steps in that arena, and he's not even going to be on the floor. Yeah, he's going to be sitting on the sitting. bench. Um, it literally might sound like a playoff atmosphere tomorrow, and Brooklyn's actually been one of the worst teams since January. Yeah. So. On, on, I will say on the flip side of that for Brooklyn, um, which is just in shambles, as you mentioned. Yeah. Um, this is an opportunity for them to turn it around. 
and to silence everyone and to say we can still compete. Philadelphia is the number two team in the Eastern Conference yes. right now. This is an opportunity for them to go into this hostile environment and beat an amazing Sixers team that has all of the momentum in the world and silence the doubters and start building momentum with, what, less than 20 games to go until the postseason? Yeah. This is a huge opportunity for them. Well, especially they're trying to get back out of the play-in. Mm-hmm. They've been... They have really tanked. Yeah. Um, they're they're, they're eighth. the eighth seed right now. They'll be playing Charlotte. They, I mean, as of late, Kevin Durant has been playing great, but the team around him has just not shown up at all. Yeah. Um, Kyrie, again, you never know when he's going to be able to play when he's not. Um, ben Simmons is not playing right now. They've got little to little to no help, to be honest. I mean, they've got Seth Curry from the trade. <laughs> they got Drummond from the trade, but like, they're not. What are what are they? Not gonna, they're not. They're not going to be difference makers to the point that. Kyrie or Ben Simmons maybe would. Um, Brooklyn needs this boost. Do I think they're going to get it? No. Because the Sixers are on such a hot streak and just that energy in there. Yeah. They love it. it. Embiid feeds off of it. Harden's been there six games and he's already feeding off of it. He loves it. Like you can tell every every single time. Yeah. He's he's coming for blood. Yeah. Um, I think the Sixers will make a statement tomorrow. Statement? How much, how much are they winning by? I think they're going to win by at least 10. Wow. All right. Uh, but this week, actually, Clay Thompson also returned to the Warriors lineup after being sick for, what was it, three or four games? Yeah. Um, and he played last night against the Clippers, and he scored 20. And uh, the issue with Clay Thompson, not his fault, is with the injuries and illness he just hasn't been able to get into a groove. No. He has not been able to be that vintage 2016-17 Klay Thompson. And not only is it nagging him, but it's nagging the Warriors as a team. It well, is holding them back. Well, Saturday night, they played the Lakers, and that was his first game back. That was when <laughs> LeBron dropped 56. <laughs> the king! Um, the king! And, I mean, Clay is a great player. Mm-hmm. No one's knocking him for that. But ever since coming back, it's just been he seemed like he he seemed like he's almost there, and then he'll fall and have a bad game. And that yep. Warriors that Warriors Lakers game was his first game back, and you could tell he was just struggling. He's off. It wasn't so much it wasn't so much his injury either. It was more just it seemed like he hadn't played in so long. Yeah, and I get he was sick, but. I mean, he came back off of an illness and looked like he hadn't shot a, a basketball, basketball in over a year and a half. He looked more like he was coming off of his knee injury in that game than the actual yeah. game where he returned in January. Yeah. Um, I think if you're the Warriors, you need to hope that he remains healthy going into the postseason from here on out just to build up speed. Because 20 points against, uh, as I said, against the Clippers last night, that's a start. That's that's something to build well, off of. Well, not to mention that Draymond isn't even in the lineup yet. Yeah, that so too. So that could also be affecting him. They can um, still go up. They could They could still They still have time. Yeah. Uh, plenty of time for the Warriors. They're still a top seed, top seed in the West. Um, they're going to uh, – he'll find his way. He'll come around. But yeah. he's got to stay healthy. That's his biggest thing because it's just – it seems like one thing after another, he's been out or he's been struggling to stay on the floor. Yeah. 
another player that returned, which was actually from last April, which was Victor Oladipo. Yeah. Um, returned to play for Miami last night. And uh, I think, as I mentioned with Clay Thompson and the Warriors, Oladipo being even a shade of his former self would be huge for Miami. Miami has a three-game lead for the first seed in the Eastern Conference. And if they can get even an ounce of 2018 Oladipo, most improved player, all-defensive first team, all-NBA third team, if they can get any bit of that for this number one team in the conference, it is monumental. Victor Oladipo, I can't lie, I honestly forgot he was on Miami I did too. until like two months ago because I, I was too. like, oh, he was in the Rockets trade because he was in the trade with Harden yeah. and everything with that. And I just... I, I couldn't believe it. And then yeah. he came back last night, or two nights ago, I apologize. Um, and it was great to see him back. I loved Old Depot yeah. when he was in Indiana. Mm-hmm. And it was just heartbreaking when he took that injury. Mm-hmm. But, you know, this man, I, he's he's a workhorse. He'll get back to it. Miami having that three-game lead and bringing Old Depot back to the lineup. Adding him. They might be the might be the favorite in the East right now, right depending, next right next to the Sixers. Depending depending on how Philadelphia closes out the season. Yeah, right if, right if next keep up the right next to the Sixers. I think those two are easily the top two teams yeah, you'd want to look out for. You would not want to face in the playoff. One hundred percent. Um, but Oladipo, man, I mean, I just hope that he gets back healthy, fully healthy, and I'm just hoping the best for him. Uh, next, Jason Tatum versus Kevin Durant. Game for the ages. Um, that game was insane Tatum, in TD Garden. Tatum, Tatum dropped 54, KD dropped 37. Yeah. Um, that doesn't even do justice to how well the two of them played as well. They, both of them were just going back and forth, trading buckets. The Celtics ended up only winning by six points and yeah. after Tatum dropped 54. Yeah. Um... That just shows how much Kevin Durant was doing for this team. Uh, both of those guys, extremely, extremely valued by their teams. Um, and I just want to say, obviously as a Sixers fan, I, I hate the Celtics, but Tatum, you can't help but love I, him. I, I was going to say about Jason Tatum, and you mentioned love by their fans and by their teams. I don't think we talk about Jason Tatum enough on the national level the when we talk about the entire nba i don't oh, think not, tatum comes up enough not even close he's a he's a top i'd say arguably a top 10 current player yeah this arguably. season this yeah. season right now i agree with the top 10 um and yet i feel like i barely hear about him it's all yeah it's, well it's the same rotation of players and i wonder what does jason tatum have to do when will he eventually break in to that circuit of elite well we talked players? about earlier before the all-star break how the celtics were a little underwhelming yeah uh, to start the season and tatum and brown just couldn't find it together find the groove both of them were just struggling Mm -hmm. uh tatum actually started off the season with one of the worst shooting percentages of a guard yeah um and or forward my apologies but they're finally putting it together they are certainly red hot in the month of march St. Patrick's Day. These Celtics are currently <laughs> currently going on a run. Good one. Um, they're still still hot after the All Star break. Tatum, again, like you said, needs his recognition. 
Um, I think Boston's under underperformance, I would call it, overshadowed that. Overshadows yeah. what Tatum's doing right now. But them finally climbing back up, clawing, trying to get into one of those top four seeds is getting people to know, oh, Jason Tatum is that guy. Yeah. He is that guy. I think, and I think we'll and know we'll know he's that guy when we get to the postseason. Yeah, as well. That, well, that's that will also be a factor because the postseason is a whole different animal with everyone. Yeah, we've seen that. We've seen players like Ben Simmons dominate <laughs> in the regular season and do disappear absolutely zero. Yeah, in the postseason, um, I think I think Tatum will show out for the Celtics. Who I'm more worried about with them is Jalen Brown. Mm. But we'll talk about him at, an, at another time. All right. Now, to the best segment. Drip of, of the, the week. week. Let's go, baby. Let's I'll, go. Start I'll, us I'll, off. I'll Start us started. off. I'll get us started. My drip of the week winner comes from last week. Miles Turner in his pre-game outfit with the I did long see that. green I did sleeves. see that. I was say it's a lime green with a black hoodie. It's like meshed all together. Inspiration most likely from Kyle Kuzma's I was gonna say, infamous uh, pink oversized sweater. I was going to say that I almost picked that. So we were lucky that we didn't pick the same one, but Kyle Kuzma rubbing off on Miles Turner right now. Um, I mean, <laughs> I I went to I went to a Washington game in January to a Wizards game. I saw Kuzma, and I was cheering him. So excited for him, just because of the sweater. I love the sweater. I'll say, however, I'll go on record. The lime green with the black on Miles Turner in this sweater, I love the combo. I love the light on the dark. It looks amazing. I love pink, too, but the contrast of the two colors, I'm a very big fan of. Yeah, it's uh, it's very eye-popping. Uh, I love it. I love the vans with it as well. He's and got, the he's shades. Got lime green, and he's the got lime shades. green glasses I mean, to go with it, too. It's great. It's great. Now, mine actually comes from last night's game. There was a special someone shooting up with uh, Clay Thompson last night. That was Jackie Moon. Will yeah. Ferrell donned the Jackie, Moon. the Jackie Moon Flint Tropics uniform yet yeah. again. I, I mean, you can't help but love it. I love Will it. Ferrell. That... The, Just the, pic, the picture that Jake's showing me is from the NBA Instagram. It completely looks photoshopped. Yeah, it I thought it was at fake. first, and then I saw videos of him actually shooting running, around. Yeah, and the video of him running out of the locker room with the yeah. team. He looks yeah. fake, but it looks it looks amazing. It it's looks just great. it's so great. You gotta love it. <laughs> uh, that was great. That was a great segment. Yeah, I cannot wait. I can't week. wait to see who pulls it out in uh, what's it called? In Selection Sunday, see if anyone's got some crazy ah, outfits yeah. some good for our March for... Madness yeah, episode. Yeah. yeah. Um, speaking of March Madness, we're actually talking about the NCAA right now. Conference tournaments are happening as we speak. Syracuse is currently up on Florida State. Yeah. Uh, by at least twenty points. Yeah. Uh, it's well. it's crazy. Um, they're gonna have to face Duke again if they win. So and they're winning. No, good I'm luck. Kidding. I'm kidding. Good luck. Not to, winning. Good luck I'm, to them. I'm saying they're not. Um, winning. but. Let's talk about last night's game because that was crazy. St. Mary's Saint, Gonzaga. St. Mary, see, we were talking about the Gonzaga St. Mary's game. What was it? Two weeks ago now. Yeah, when St. Mary's and beat them. when St. Yeah, when St. Mary's upset them, and I felt like a lot of people nationally were just like, "That's insane! How did St. Mary's upset Who's this the Saint team?" Who's the St. Mary's team? But you watched that game last night. 
And St. Mary's is with them the entire St. Mary's is a good way. team. St. Mary's is not going to be taken as a joke no, in the tournament. Not at all. They're going to be around a five or six seed. Yeah. They they should be taken seriously. If I were facing them, I'd be scared. Um, St. Mary's really the St. Mary's is pretty much the only team in the West Coast Conference that has given Gonzaga a run for their money consistently. I think they've been the West Coast Conference tournament final for uh, five out of the last seven years has been St. Mary's Gonzaga. It's those same well, two top dogs. Well, I uh, and St. Mary's, SV, Mary's beat Gonzaga in twenty nineteen, yes. I believe. Yes, because they also made the tournament that yeah, year. Yeah, they've beaten them. But Gonzaga was in their what was it twenty first consecutive conference? Yeah, conference they've had they've had a little bit of an easy path to, uh, um, to it. But just talking about the West Coast Conference as well. St. Mary's is not the only scary team in San that Francisco. conference. San Francisco is very scary. Um, very scary. My, Not that I have an issue with San Francisco, but the reason I have doubt is that they played these teams tough, like Gonzaga, for example, but they struggled to break through at the end. And with that Gonzaga game, they went down early. They were down 15, maybe 20 in the first half. But they hung around, and they made it interesting in the end. So... They're probably going to be a 9 or a 10 seed. That's what Joe Lenardi is projecting him as right now. And depending on their matchup, I think they can break through and get over that last little hump to secure a win. But I'm a little hesitant about them just because just because of their inability I, to get over that final hump. I don't think they're going to make a huge run whatsoever. I'm not calling that. I yeah. don't, I, I'm not bold enough to do that <laughs> just yet. I'd have to see where they're at in the bracket. But... I'm just saying as a, a 10, 11 seed around there, I wouldn't count them out to be one of those teams that upset in the first round. Yeah. Because they can they can get it together. They've shown that they can compete. Yeah. Um, they're they not, a, they're not a team it. to be messed with. They just need to do it for the whole game. Yeah, That's they, my need, only they need concern. to stick it. They need to keep it one pace. They need to stay stick with it. Um, and I want to I quickly loop back to St. Mary's. They have exposed how to beat Gonzaga time and time again for multiple years now. The only issue with the concept of someone beating Gonzaga is the right team has to be playing them. And the way that the bracket works, if they're set up against teams that are offensive-minded, shoot a lot of threes, you're not beating Gonzaga that way. If you are a slow-paced defensive team that messes up the rhythm of Gonzaga, who who scores the most points in college basketball every game, if you can mess up their rhythm on the offensive end, that is how you'll beat them. If you can get them into a 68 to 65 dogfight, that's how you'll beat them. And St. Mary's is able to do that, but there's so few teams that are strong defensively and also have the talent to match up with Gonzaga. For one example, like North Texas. Not that anyone thinks North Texas is going to do anything amazing, but they, they give up the least points per game. In all of college basketball, they're probably going to be a 12 or a 13 yeah. seed. But they don't have the talent to match no. up with Gonzaga. But you look at teams like Texas Tech, for example. Texas Tech will be a 4 or a 5. They have the defense. They have more talent. Being in the Big 12, they are able to recruit these top players. They could give Gonzaga a run for the money. The question is, will Gonzaga end up facing one of those teams? Well, the thing for Gonzaga is, and I will give them this credit last night, that game was a dogfight. Yeah. And Chet Holmgren only had four points, and then he had four fouls and was taken out of the game. Mm-hmm. And he's not his best game. No, but he is arguably an X-factor when he's... Not arguably, he is an X-factor when he's on the floor. Yeah. And but 
it was Nemhard and Bolden that really carried that team mm-hmm. to keep that lead and actually go up on what was it a ten to one run? Yeah, and just keep that they lead the entire game. way. They so something up. that's great with Gonzaga is they have that they have those players, even if they're role players, that have the clutch factor to keep those teams whether to keep those games whether they're dogfights or not, and take the extra step and get that lead and sustain it. That's all they need to do even when they don't have their best players like Drew Timmy or Chet on the floor. Yeah. And they they have the talent to the point where they could do that. That talent and depth is what I think makes Gonzaga. I don't know what the betting odds of who the national champion favorite is, but that's what makes Gonzaga so intriguing compared to a team like Auburn, for example, with Jabari Smith. There's a lack of depth with Auburn compared to Gonzaga where they simply can't match up. They just can't. And with Auburn's play style... That as well, it doesn't it doesn't contradict Gonzaga enough. It doesn't mess with them enough. Um, and as we get into ex- uh, exploring all of March Madness next week and next week's episode, matchups are such a huge thing in how teams compare to each other, what they do well, what they do poorly, taking it game by game. Um, it's huge. Even if you are Gonzaga or your Baylor or their or your Duke, they have weaknesses. And if a team is able if, to exploit that, if you can, ex- if they do it well. Anyone can lose. That's what makes me. If you can expose a weakness easily. Easily I mean, you're you're writing it with any team, regardless of any talent. Yeah. Um talking about another one of the teams that locked their spot (laughs) yesterday. I want to talk about Bryant. Bryant University in Rhode Island. I've got a couple of friends that go to Bryant. Actually. Really? I got a friend on the football team. Shout out shout out Sean Hunt. Was was he was he in that student section yesterday? Because but there is one thing that we need to address, and that was that a fight broke out with three minutes left in the game when Bryant was up about 40 points. Yeah, they were, they were killing um, Wagner. They were killing Wagner. Uh, I just – the thing with me is, like, if you're going to have the Wagner fan section right next to the Bryant yeah, section, it's, it's why, would you not, why would you not put something separating them? Yeah. Especially these rowdy fans – when this team hasn't been to the tournament ever once in yeah. their entire college and basketball career. The the other thing, that game was played at Bryant. It was at Bryant's yeah, home court. Yeah, it was court. at their, it was not it was at their home court. court. They, were, they were hosting. And that that uh, gym, that uh, it arena, li- it I have like not been there. It looked gym. like a high school it gym. Like the fans school gym. were just squashed in there. You could see every fan in the building yeah. on the camera. That they I, I they, also that was set up. I also for couldn't a tell if there was bleachers on two sides or if there was just one because of how small it was. It was it was set up for disaster. But the game had to be stopped for about thirty to thirty five minutes. minutes. Yeah. yeah. And the athletic director of Bryant had to come come in, come on the mic and say, All right, after the game, after we win Yeah, I said that before you're the game gonna, is over. Yeah. You're gonna wait. You're gonna wait before we storm the court. You're gonna let to all, let of all Wagner the Wagner leave. fans and players leave. leave, yeah, and then you can storm <laughs> the court and celebrate. And I just thought that was hilarious. But someone that was instigating it, and he wasn't even in, he wasn't even in the stands. Peter told, Kiss, man, the, the beast, Peter the Kiss. Menace. I love him. Menace. Menace is the perfect term to describe Peter Kiss. And this guy is a baller, by the way. Well, he's you, not just he's not just a dweeb with an ego or anything. He led Division One. Yes, scoring. he's the highest scorer in college basketball. And this kid does everything: <laughs> alley oops, dunking, three pointers, effortless, fading away. He is an insane player. And what I I don't want to say he I had, loved it because he had thirty he had thirty four of Bryant's. I think they scored seventy ish. Yeah. He is a tank. That's insane. Um, and I don't want to say I encourage p- 
poor sportsmanship. But Peter Kish, go watch the highlights if you haven't. After every bucket he'd make, flexing on him, having his tongue well, out, whatever he's doing. See, I don't, I don't call it this sportsmanship in this sense per se. I mean, yes, he's getting in these people's <laughs> faces and taunting, and the coach even pointed out to him, yeah, stop, stop doing it, and but, he kept doing it. But this kid is the player that's going to be Bryant's reason for being in the tournament yeah. for the first time ever. ever. He get so first time ever. He should get a free pass. I mean, in my opinion, I loved it. I love when players bring energy. I mean, that's one of the that's one of the best things in the game is bringing energy and having emotion. And I just thought that Peter Kiss showed that, and it was great. I I, I loved seeing it. Um. I also think for the odd reason, if you want to pick a 15 or a 16 seed, I'll say this now, to win a game in March, take Brian strictly because of Peter Kiss. Yeah, I um, agree. Oral Roberts last year, Max a- Abmus, Abmus, um, who led all of college basketball in scoring last year, and Oral Roberts made it to the Sweet 16 as a 15 seed. Um, I'm not saying brian is going to do that but if you want to pick a team to do it brian is definitely we're not one. we're not putting anything on record yet um not I, until not until next episode i, but to, I wanna, they are a good team to look i want to say one more thing about brian um that my friend told me about that i think is very interesting um the way that brian recruits is that they send out emails to pretty much every high school basketball player that is a two three four five star it wow. doesn't matter who they are. They don't need to actually be scouting you. They just send you an email, and if you reply, then they'll have you for a visit. Wow. They cast such a wide net in the hopes of getting anyone. And well, this you know, year, you know this strategy— they got? they got Peter they Kiss. They got Peter Kiss. They this got year, Peter Kiss. It's worked. It's broken through. Um, I, I, it would be interesting to see if these lower-rated uh, lower um, schools start doing that, casting this wide net, just saying to anyone, hey— Please come play basketball for us. Come have a workout because it's it's worked. It's worked for Brian. Congratulations to them on their first birth. Congratulations indeed, and they won their conference. Who who do you think could win other conferences that aren't very likely to win them in the first place? I'm gonna say anyone from the Big Ten. The Big Ten okay. is a very deep conference. Um, stretching from, I think, Wisconsin's the number one seed, and yeah. I believe Michigan's the eight. I know Michigan State's the seven. Mm-hmm. And there's a chance that Michigan, through Wisconsin, eight teams from the Big Ten make the tournament. Um, so I'm going to say teams such as Iowa and Ohio State, they're supposed to be five and six in the Big Ten Conference Tournament. Either of them, they can knock off Wisconsin. They can knock off Purdue, Illinois. The talent gap and the skill gap of that entire conference is not far at all. They are very close within each other. If you think a, if a five or six seed is going to win a conference tournament, I definitely think it's going to be in the Big Ten. Now, my pick, I've been very high on them all year, of course. Yeah. I don't oh, know. If you, I don't know. Gonna, if you, I don't know. If you, say what I think. I don't know if you yeah. unexpected say they'd unexpectedly win, considering they're a two seed. Here we go. In their conference. Who is it? But the Irish, <laughs> the Notre Dame, Dame Fighting Irish, yeah. are my pick because I just that team offensively is great. Mm-hmm. They can just offensively pound you. Yeah, they got Prentice, Prentice Hub, Blake Wesley, Paul Atkinson Jr., uh, Nate. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
But they're just such a deep team, and they could shoot the three great, really well. Yeah. Um, really well. Uh, I think that they're gonna they're gonna go on a run. They can give Duke a run for their money, just knowing the following they have everywhere as well. That's they true. could they could the bring a lot of fans to Brooklyn, to Brooklyn and their that energy in the Barclays Center could boost them to winning against that Duke team, saying that both of them are to make it to the championship because considering Duke is the favorite, or the heavy favorite. Yeah, what is. do you mean? What do you mean Duke's gonna make it? Syracuse <laughs> is gonna wipe the floor against him tomorrow. What are you talking um, about? But Notre Dame, I just I love their I love their team. I love their energy this year. Blake Wesley, again, I'm gonna I'm gonna say his name. Such a talented player. He could really bring so much to the table if he stays there next year. And if not, he's going to do great things in the NBA. Yeah. Um, I really like this Irish team, and I could definitely see them winning the ACC unexpectedly. Moving on to last, but not even certainly, close to least. Certainly definitely not least, because biggest. we've got a lot to talk about. Definitely the biggest thing to happen. Um, the NFL, a whirlwind in the this, last... 48 hours this week this well even this this past week starting it was last wednesday that this news broke of calvin ridley was it not or was it monday i thought it was monday of this week okay yeah it, it was just monday. happened i'm sorry i was in i was in a class when i got the report so yes it was monday but i mean just these past three or four days alone monday tuesday and today's wednesday um, have been insane calvin ridley um is suspended for at least one year at by least. the NFL for gambling on NFL games. Um, the report, he gambled on at least a Falcons game. He spent $1,500. But said he he doesn't have a gambling problem. Which That's, I think is it's very, a lot. It's a, a lot more ironic. money than, than I would spend it's on any little, single bet ever. A little ironic. Um and he he really he took to Twitter after the suspension and he was and he mentioned the fifteen hundred I don't have a gambling problem, um, and I I'm not an NFL player I'm not one to say this, but if I get suspended for doing anything, um, I'm just keeping my mouth shut. I'm not yeah, going I, on social media. I'm not one to judge. Well, live your life, Calvin Ridley. But not uh, only not only because I don't want to make myself look like a fool, but because I just. Don't want to hear it from the people that have no clue what happened. Yeah. Like no report, we don't, report. Know, don't, we don't know, the know the full report on yeah. everything that happened. Yeah, wait until all that comes out, then, then speak out, talk. and then we could talk. But when you're talking and saying, "I only bet fifteen hundred dollars," I don't have a gambling problem. That no sounds one, like no a gambling problem because not the average person does not bet yeah. fifteen hundred dollars. No one, no one needs to hear that. Um, Calvin Ridley was was in trade talks with the Browns and the Patriots, but yeah, now there goes that. That's all done. Uh, who knows when he's going to come back? Who knows what he's going to do when he comes back? Considering yeah. he took half this season off, mm-hmm. um, I don't. I honestly don't see the future looking that bright for Ridley I think because of the fact that he took time off this year and he's going to be off the entire year next year. I think he'll make it back, but I again, twenty twenty three. Yeah, have no idea it, well, it's a, he's talented. It's, it's a big if on what's going to happen. He's, com- he's one of the most talented receivers in the NFL. Oh, he's, he, he's he can cert- be a top ten receiver. He's certainly talented, but that much time off just it is hurts. a lot, especially for football. Yeah, it totally is. Uh, now we'll just go chronologically, I yeah. guess. Yeah. Um, let's do it. First, Aaron Rodgers announced he's returning to the Packers. Yeah. Um, there was an initial report that he was returning to the Packers on a four-year, $200 million deal. But then he personally tweeted, 
tweeted said, out that, that is not true. The contract is not true, but he is returning. Yes, he announced that he's returning to the Packers. Um, I always thought the options were retirement or return to Green Bay. I didn't think he was getting traded. I didn't think he was going anywhere. Um, it's the best of both worlds for both of them. Aaron's going to get his money. Uh, Green Bay gets to hang on to their two hey. re- repeat MVP. All, all I want to say is... My prediction right after the Super Bowl was that Green Bay is making it back because they're going to have Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. You did say Adams. that. You did say that. Not only do they have Aaron Rodgers back, they franchise tag Devontae Adams, so yeah. both of them are back. Yeah. Um, But this means that the Broncos missed out on a great quarterback and that, until two hours later when yeah. they traded for Russell Wilson. Yes. Russell Wilson was shipped off. Not shipped off. Shipped to, I'll say. He, he's on board with it. Shipped to Denver for um, two first-round picks. Two second round picks, Noah Fant and Drew Locke. Drew Locke and uh, Shelby Harrison, yes, yes. I believe. Um, and Seattle also sent over a fourth round pick um, with Russell Wilson. Do you think this makes Denver a contender for a Super Bowl? Um, right off the bat, just initially with the trade, no no free agent signings, no draft. Yeah. No. Mm. Um, that's not to say these this Bronco team won't be scary because they certainly will be. Um, they have one of the best receiving cores arguably in the league. Um, if they play up they to were, their potential, yeah. But they were just a quarterback away, as many were saying. Their defense, young, great. They're going to be the defense, great. Uh, Von Miller has hinted at a return I, to Denver. I saw that the last as couple well. of days I saw on that social media. Well. He has made it seem like he plans on re-signing with Denver. He's a um, free agent. So that defense is going to be great. Mm-hmm. But they're in arguably one of the toughest conferences or toughest divisions to win in. I don't football. even think it's arguably that is the toughest division. You have yeah. Kansas well, City, well, the Kansas, Chargers, and let's Vegas. Just, let's just look back at this season as well. Because the Chargers were in first place for what was it, four or five weeks in the middle of the season when yeah. when the Chiefs were down. They yeah. were they were under five hundred. They, they were struggling. They had just lost that game to Buffalo at home. Mm-hmm. And then Kansas City did what Kansas City does and yeah. completely got flipped it around, track. got back on the horse, and won the division. Like, it was absolutely nothing. Um, that shows a lot about that Kansas City team who just re-signed Josh Gordon as well. Yep. Um, they're, they're a tough team to beat. They're going to be a tough team to for beat for years to come. Years because until Mahomes Just because of Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. Just because of Travis Kelsey. Just because of Tyreek Hill. Their defense, honestly, just has to do the bare minimum because that offense does so much. Yeah. Um, the Broncos, I could see them being arguably the second place at maybe you, the, would, maybe would the third place team. Would you take them over the Chargers right be- now? Def- defensive, defensively. Is yeah. is why I boost them up to the second okay. place spot. Um, I think the Chargers are a great team. Offense is fantastic. Justin Herbert, great young quarterback, but I think that the Broncos defensively are just so much better. Like it's not even like they have such a wide margin between them and the Chargers defensively yeah. that I think that the Broncos are boosted up, especially with Russell Wilson added to this team. Yeah, um, I'll I'll take the flyer on Denver as a contender and. Again, the a not even the not even just the AFC West, but the AFC as a whole is absolutely loaded. Throw in Buffalo, um, 
Cincinnati, obviously, now. Well, Cincinnati seems like they're going to be the powerhouse of that NFC North yeah. for years to come. And even and so, there's still Lamar there. I would say, and, and even Baltimore, Baltimore is, come, is on the come up. Um, there are a lot of teams in the AFC. Tennessee as well. Um, so Jacksonville. Yeah, Jacksonville. <laughs> um, I think Denver becomes a contender 100%, but there's also just so many other contenders that it's a little problematic. And Well... That's why I don't. That's why I can't officially say that they're a contender. Is just because of, not because they're bad, but there's because there's, there's too just many too teams. many great teams that are better than them. Yeah. In the AFC, I get that because the AFC is just so good. It's easily better than the NFC. I'd say. And uh, the concept with the AFC being better than the NFC, um, there's a report that Washington tried to trade for Russell Wilson. Three and first offered rounders. three first round picks. They offered more for Wilson than what Denver offered. And Seattle said, no, we don't want to trade him to an NFC team. You see, I don't, I guess I get it, but at the same time I don't because I'd get it if it was divisional. I don't want to trade to a division rival. Yeah, that makes sense. why would you hate the fact of Wilson going to Washington Washington when he is all the way across the country. Yeah, you'll play him. You'll play him once, once every two three year, or two four or years. years. Yeah, yeah, and I would have I taken. A I would have. I would have taken. I would have taken the first three, the three first rounders, because that yeah. that also leaves ground for you to rebuild on. Not to mention that ground will also let you keep players, because now what's going to happen with DK? What's going to happen with Tyler Lockett? There's Tons of rumors going out that they're going to be traded, too. And Bobby Wagner has already been released. Yeah. We hadn't mentioned yeah. that yet. Bobby Wagner, linebacker of Seattle, who has the most tackles in the NFL since, what, like 2013, 2014. Yeah. Um, he's been released. He's the first one to, or I guess second one, first one to go is Russ, and now Wagner's gone. Completely the end of an era in Seattle. I already thought the end of the era with the Legion of Boom, Cam yeah. Chancellor, Earl Thomas, Richard Sherman. thought that was the end of the no, era. When do, when do you think? When you, think, when you think Pete Carroll's going? Yeah, that's I, a, that's a serious Pete question. Pete Carroll's now. pretty old too. Yeah, Pete that's Carroll's a serious question. He's he he's one trying. of the oldest, or if not the oldest, in the NFL right now. He's getting towards the end of the line as well. Yeah, he's. I mean, Seattle is honestly going to be. Pete Carroll's seventy. <laughs> they they're going to be in shambles. Yeah, pretty soon. I mean, they're definitely square one. they're definitely in a, a great. They're they're in a lot better position than they could have been. They getting could have been a lot worse back, uh, getting a first-round pick. But as of right now, I just I don't see them turning it around anytime soon. I think they'll be struggling yeah, for, for a quite while. a bit, especially with young teams like the 49ers in that division. Well, that, that division on its own. Yeah, right. that division's great. The 49ers, the Cardinals, Arizona, and the Rams, the, Rams, the, the Super Bowl. Bowl Rams. Yeah. I mean, they're... It's going to be a rough I mean, do you think years. do you think they saw it as those teams are just getting so good that we have to do something with Russ because if we don't, we're going to be stuck think, in a hole. I, I think internally that might, they're not going to publicly say that, but internally they definitely thought about that. Yeah. Their mindset, their mindset could have been the Rams and Stafford. Stafford might play four or five more years. We got to look at this long term. We are not going to be able to compete with them. If Trey Lance turns out to be what San Francisco hopes he will be. If Kyler is able to keep developing, if Arizona is able to get it together um, and really get over the hump, they're already a playoff team. Um, Seattle's thinking 
we got to think long term. We can't well, compete with them right now with this current roster. Well, not to mention, we to blow it Russ up. probably would have left in free agency, so they were probably thinking, why not get something for him now? Yeah, why not do it in advance? Yeah, and um, especially, I think he has two years left on his contract. If you do it next year, then you could advertise it like, yeah, take this quarterback one and done. Do whatever you want with him. Doing it two years in advance definitely got way more for him than yeah. what they could have got or they would have gotten. Now, going over to the Broncos' division rival, the Chargers. the Chargers made a big move yesterday as well. Extended Mike Williams, wide receiver, for a three-year, $60 million deal, which pays $20 million a year. Um, and he is now one of the uh, top five highest-paid wide receivers. Um, and the Chargers, may I point out, now have two of the top five highest-paid with Keenan Allen making the fourth most money. I'm going to go out on a limb here. You might agree with me or not. I don't like this signing. I don't like this extension for that much money. Yeah, the now, key word is the key phrase is for that much money. Now, Mike Williams is a great receiver, a uh, good receiver. I, I don't know if I'll give him the great title yet, but he's streaky. Very. He's very, extremely very streaky. streaky, and you can clearly see that Keenan Allen's the number one guy there, mm-hmm. and you're paying him almost the same amount that you're paying your number one wide receiver. You're, pay- you're paying. You're paying. 20 million for a number two receiver that's a that's a lot of money i wonder i wonder how much of a impact justin herbert made on that i don't know if the team discussed it with herbert what are your thoughts on mike um i mean he's a young quarterback i don't know if he's earned that respect in the organization i think he's, he's definitely got a lot of say in the organization um but i think that they've got a great relationship maybe they thought they had to keep both of them around or maybe how long was Keenan Allen's deal for? When does it end? Maybe they're thinking that Keenan Allen might go. For another three years. All right. Well, never mind. He's there for another three years. But um, I don't know. I just I don't understand it so much to the point where you're paying him that much. Yeah. I, I, not so much that I you're like going to resigning. sign him. For, I, yeah, I not, like so much that you're, not so much that you're extending him for three years. I more like that. that more that you're paying him that much to be your number two. Yeah, that's my concern with that. News has just broke. This is brand as new, crisp yeah. as we speak. What just happened? What just went down in the NFL community? The Indianapolis Colts are trading quarterback Carson Wentz to the Washington Commanders. Fun to say that for two third round picks. We were actually just speaking on how the Commanders had offered. For Two Wilson, first round or three, three first, first round rounders for Wilson, Wilson. Um, and they go get Carson Wentz instead. That's dirt cheap for Carson Wentz. Yeah, um, and that's that's a great that's a great that's a trade, great for, trade for them, and that's a good quarterback you're bringing in. And the 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 thing about Indianapolis is now they they have like no quarterback. They've got young mm-hmm. guys, uh, Sam Ellinger, Jacob Eason. Um, I you don't think, think Sam Ellinger is going to start. I don't think they're the future though. <laughs> but they don't have a first round pick. They lost their that's first round pick so when they traded for Wentz. Now they have two third-round picks. I guess you could package those thirds and move up to the second. You could get a late first to get a quarterback. But Indianapolis, they're a mess. Jonathan Taylor. (laughs) (laughs) At quarterback, wildcat formation every game. Oh, I meant meant them trading Jonathan Taylor. That's not actually what happened. Yeah, I don't think that's what happened. I don't know if Taylor would even gauge a first anyway. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah. But the the Colts, that's just – I don't know where they're going. As a Jacksonville fan – that's great for me. Moves yeah. us up into second place. Yeah, you're chilling in the <laughs> um, AFC South now. But, I mean, huge. Huge news. They traded, what was it? 
was it a first or two first for Carson? One, the it was it was a conditional first, and it and because he had, he had to play seventy five percent of the snaps, and he did. I didn't know if they had one next year as well. No, um, no. I mean that's huge, and they they traded him, assuming they were going to make the playoffs, and then the Eagles ended up making the playoffs, and they did not. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that's just it's funny. Honestly, a slap in the face for the Colts. Um, huge news developing right now, so we don't have many details, but needed to throw that in there. Um, Commander Carson, as Adam <laughs> Schefter just called Carson Wentz. Commander, Commander Carson. Carson. I love it. All right. Uh, some other players that got brought back onto their, onto their, I guess you could say former or current teams. Uh, who was who was franchise tagged? Yeah. The past? Across the NFL, the franchise tag. Tag deadline was yesterday, March 8th. Um, a number of players were tagged by their teams. Uh, Jesse Bates, tagged by Cincinnati. Dalton Schultz, Dallas. David Njoku, Cleveland. Devontae Adams, Green Bay. Cam Robinson, Jacksonville. We'll get to that one in a second. Orlando Brown, Kansas City. Mike Gesicki, Miami. And Chris Godwin, um, Tampa Bay. And notably, J.C. Jackson of New England did not receive a franchise tag. Well, he's... He's on his way out. He's out. He's yeah. out. They don't have enough money to keep him. He wants to be paid yeah. as one of the top cornerbacks in the league. He's on his way out. The Patriots just can't sustain that. They yeah. won't be able to hold on to him. It's it's done. But I want to go back to Cam Robinson because, as we always Jaguar. have, our little Jaguar talk here, that's concerning to me. Is it? Why? For the fact that franchise tagging Cam Robinson – has upped the possibility of them drafting an edge at number one. Not going tackle. Yeah, that's that's my problem where where this comes in. Now, I love them keeping Cam Robinson because Cam Robinson was going to walk most likely was going to step away from the team. But it's just it pains me to think now that they're thinking about going with Hutchinson or Thibodeau no. at number one. Yeah. Um, I don't want that. I think that even just pairing Robinson with Neal would be a lot better than getting your edge, especially if you're trying to target Chandler Jones. Mm-hmm. I don't see the reason of trying to. Who's the Who's the other tackle on Jacksonville right now, or is there even? Uh, we have Shatley. He just resigned. I think he's a tackle. He might be a guard. Um, I don't know if we have another one. Let me. Well, I ju- I just think the. Um, the concept of just drafting Robinson, or not drafting, or excuse me, um, a franchise tagging Robinson, I don't think that eliminates them from taking. I don't. I don't Konu think. Konu or Neil at now, number one. I don't think. I, think I don't think it fully. It. I don't think it fully takes it away. But it just concerns me that Juwan Taylor, but I'm pretty sure he's gone. Walker, now Walker Little is also gone. And these two guys don't play, so we—it's just Robinson as of right now. I I I wouldn't write off Jacksonville of taking I, a tackle still. Well, the thing that's the thing that's keeping it in uh, my mind is that Doug Peterson is an offensive-minded guy. Yeah, and he's been scouting, and he's seemed to make it that he wants to take a line. He, he wants seemed to, build to make Trevor. it that he wants to build around Trevor Lawrence, which that should be the top a priority. smart a smart person should. That's the top priority. Um, with Jacksonville, there's not many smart people working in that front office, <laughs> but um, I just I think that Neil is the no brainer, and that 
was actually going to be my this or that. We're going to get into that in a second. But now that you've franchise tagged Robinson, do you go edge or do you go O-line? We both kind of already answered that question, though. I still go O-line. You still go O-line because yeah. there's no way that you can think that you're going to win without protecting your franchise quarterback. And yeah. the, and we, we saw, actually, in the Buffalo game, Jacksonville avoided a very scary possibility that Trevor Lawrence may have done something to his knee or his yeah. ankle in, in on one of those hits. Yeah. And just right then and there, I was like, this season should be just O-line. Just yeah. O-line. You need That's to all you need to look it. at. I know how important the defense is. I know how important the pass rush is. We have, we, we have young guys that are still developing a little bit. I mean, you have Josh Allen there. You have... Kilowon Chase on that that's still developing. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's in. This is going to be his third year, so he's still a little rough around the edges, hoping that he could pan out. But there's just a lot of concerns, a lot more concerns, offensive line wise for me than on the defensive than on the defensive end because you yeah. still have pieces like Miles Jack, Andre Cisco in the secondary. Like you have people that could sustain, but yeah. you don't have people that can protect your QB yeah. often. And yeah. you need that. I agree. Um, so, I guess we went over my this or that. Let's go. Let's go to yours. Now. My my this or that is it's not very fun, and it's not very exciting. But I'm still interested in your take. So Green Bay is bringing back Aaron Rodgers, meaning they have Jordan Love, for absolutely no reason. Never yeah. should have drafted him anyway. But he's under contract. He's got two years plus a hypothetical third year if they pick up the fifth year option. Drew Locke. Went to Seattle. If you are a team and you're starting your team right now, who would you rather have as your quarterback? If you had to, as a bridge, you have to have one of them start an NFL game. Jordan Love or Drew Locke? I think this is pretty fun. I don't know why you're saying it's not fun. I think this is pretty well, fun. You know, it's not, it's not like a Aaron <laughs> Rodgers, Russell Wilson, who would you rather but that's have? But e- that's even more fun because you have less of a sample size, as you will. Um, I'm taking Drew Locke. Simply because of the fact that he's got experience. Okay. He started games in Denver. He started games. He started a lot more NFL games than Jordan, Jordan Love, Love has. Yeah. And Jordan Love was thrown in there. Yeah, it was in a rush in under a week when Aaron Rodgers got COVID. But he did not look prepared yeah, at all. He, he didn't look good. He looked, he looked very frazzled. Well, he's also it was tough. It was, no, it was no, no, no. Yeah, I mean, I'm not. Kansas City was playing. I'm not. Minds I'm not taking too. that to heart. I'm not putting that down on his record. Oh, man, man's <laughs> first start was terrible because of circumstances like no um but some quarterbacks need to need that time to stay on the sideline learn behind a better guy and then come in and maybe jordan love can be that guy i personally don't see him being that guy but my pick in this situation is drew lock just because of the experience alone already um i will say i was quite disappointed in drew lock as an is it (laughs) I was quite disappointed in Drew Locke with his entire NFL career because when he started his rookie year, I think he played the last five or six games, yeah. he was good. He, yeah. He yeah. was very good. Um, a lot of people um, thought that he could take a second-year leap, and he didn't. He was flat-out bad, um, lost his starting job to Bridgewater um, this past season. Um, and for that reason, if I was starting brand new and I have to pick one of them, I'd take Love because of there being less on him. Okay. Um, if you watch, if you watch the film at Utah State, cannon of an arm, athletic. In theory, the potential is there. If you develop him right, he can be great. I think his ceiling is higher than Locke. Um, if I had to start one right now, then I'd take Locke. But if we're thinking long term, then I would take Love. 
Well, Love has a lot of potential just because of the fact that we haven't seen much from him at yeah. all. And if you put him in the in a great circumstance to the point where he could be developed... Well, that, that's the thing. Could, I, I, thought, I thought he had it pretty good in Green Bay behind Rodgers, and it seemed like Roger has, Rodgers has said that quarterback room is great. Everyone loves each he, other. Well, they he, get along. He loves Jordan Love. They are brothers. Yeah. It's not like well, Rodgers looks down it, it upon rem, him. It reminds me, well, Aaron Rodgers knows it firsthand, too, because he sat behind Favre, and that's yeah. what I was going to say. It reminds me of the situation with Love Yeah, is that Love is sitting behind Rodgers. I mean— as of right now, Love is no Aaron Rodgers or no, Brett Favre. No, I don't. I don't think um, he. I don't think he ever will be. No, no sorry, but, sorry, Jordan. But but knowing that, you know, he's got that great mentor. Um, you know, it's someone. It's someone to learn behind, and it's yeah. someone that you could learn a lot from, especially back to back MVP right now. Yeah. Um, back to back number one seeds. Uh, I I don't know. We'll have to wait and see what Jordan Love can bring. I'm I, I'm excited. I'm excited to see what Green Bay does with him. They ship him off. I don't think I don't him. think they'll ship him off. I think that I think that they're kind of they're kind of at the point where they want to see him. They want to see if he could potentially get it done after Rodgers. Well, that's well. How the thing about Rodgers is how long is he going to keep playing for? He could play. But for we don't another, even know how long his contract is. Yeah, but suppose he plays for another two or three years. Jordan Love's entire rookie contract <laughs> is up, and he hasn't. He's played one game. Yeah, barely played. Well, that is a that is going to be an issue. You're not um, going to get a second contract <laughs> without playing a game. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. Maybe that's more, what's more contract talk that we'll have to talk about yeah. in two weeks because this upcoming week, we've got our big March Madness special. It'll be me. It's it'll be, be you. Big. We've got a special we guest. We've got a special guest. Yeah. We don't want to announce no, it yet, not, though. Not we don't want to announce yet. it yet. It's very special. Um, we want to thank you guys for tuning into this episode. Uh, we will catch you guys in the next one. Paul, anything you want to say? Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Slinging Sports and on Twitter at Slinging underscore Sports. And enjoy, enjoy March. Enjoy, enjoy college basketball. Enjoy March. The madness enjoy is just about to begin. Enjoy your week, guys. See ya.